Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where we do all we can to help people walk toward His love, Jesus' loves, God love, the Spirit's love, your love, my love, toward everybody, whatever it is. I'm your host, Sean McCranny. McCranny. <laughs> Sean McCranny. And let's have a word of prayer between you and I. Lord, we come to you. We seek you and love you. Pray your blessings upon everybody who's involved and uh, help me to be able to articulate the, the point. And if it's right, remember it. We can remember it. And if it's wrong, we can forget it. And on we go. So we seek you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you know that I used to, um, believe it or not, work in the fashion business. I got my uh, degree in fashion merchandising and design. And, uh, and uh, I got involved with a clothing company that unfortunately got shut down for manufacturing what are called knockoffs. Uh, which is an industry term for counterfeit clothing. Uh, we were doing uh, a des- whole design of clothes. I went and lived in Sri Lanka for a while, and we d- came up with this whole line of clothes. It was called BCSD, Basic Classic Sport and Designer, and uh, we were bringing it over in containers. But the company that I was involved with, I didn't know that they were bringing over Ralph Lauren shirts that were knockoffs, counterfeits. And they got caught in the L.A. Harbor, and that was the end of that. So in my estimation, most everything real, everything genuine or authentic, are subject to being counterfeited or being knocked off. I mean, you can name it. It can be auto parts. It can be precious gems. Music's knocked off. Food is knocked off. Whatever. There always seems to be someone out there who will take the original product, and they will counterfeit it as a means to produce something less expensive that looks expensive and uh, make more money or whatever it is, compete. So in two days, the world is going to celebrate mostly uh, most of the world, uh, much of the world, Christmas. And the holidays divided into its authentic real deal, the real thing, which is a celebration of Christ's birth and or it's the other counterfeit side and that's the santa reindeer snow and the rest and some of the most meaningful songs about christ in my opinion are not modern christian music i know people love that stuff but i really find the most meaningful songs to be the christmas christmas the christmas songs i love them i think some of them have the most detailed explanation of christ and they're so beautiful. And so I'm just going to read some verses to one of my favorites, which is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And, and, and you should check out Bad Religion's version of it. It's excellent. Hark the Herald Angels Sing Glory to the Newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That's the reason Jesus came, was to reconcile God and sinners. And that's what Jesus' birth did. Uh, joyful all ye nations, the whole world. Uh, rise, join the triumph of the skies. It's a triumph that's spiritual. His heavenly kingdom up above, join that triumph. Uh, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. I had to give that little because that's the Hebrew way they say it. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. But listen to the next uh, stanza. It says, Christ the highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the favored one, veiled in flesh the God had seen, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, 
Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. And the last stanza of the song, Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. The heaven-born, love it. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Wild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. I mean, forget about it. That is such a beautiful setup of lyrics, music, song of the real thing. The thing that you're going to be celebrating tomorrow night or two nights from now, whenever it comes. Then we have the counterfeit. I'm going to give you one song from the counterfeit. And I want you to hear it was written, believe it or not, just in 1934. That's when it was written. And it was written for a radio program. And it became ubiquitously popular, especially here in the United States. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. It's a fucking counterfeit. Santa Claus is coming to town. We have Jesus coming and all of it explained in Hark the Herald. And we have Santa Claus is now coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. Going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. We're talking about deity here. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake, which is, uh, you know, legalistic uh, uh, works righteousness here for every kid on earth. I better be good. Every parent uses it. Santa's coming. And then he says, uh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. And every year, every single individual has one of three choices, essentially. There's more, but... You can either go with the genuine article, the real thing. You can go with the fake counterfeit, or you can do an admixture. You can put the Santa hat on the baby Jesus, which I've seen done. You can kind of straddle both. Uh, The choice is yours, up to you, how you want to do it. But I don't know about you, but I am not a fan of inauthentic things. I don't personally appreciate it, whatever it is. I want the real God, whoever he is, she, it is, I want the real God. I want the real Savior, the real Jesus. I want real devotion. I want authentic worship. I don't personally like toupees. I don't like porcelain veneers. I don't like fake boobs. And I don't like imitation crab. I hate all that phony stuff. It's bullcrap. I want what's real, preferably what is original, and try to shun the ersatz whenever possible. Ersatz is another word for the manufactured. So give me the sun over Las Vegas lights and and give me wrinkles on a woman over Botox. And give me something that's made with human hands rather than machines. How about you? And what about the God you worship and choose to worship and how you worship that God? I know above everything else in my life, he's got to be genuine. It's got to be a genuine God. No man-made BS. No man-made insertions on who God is. So you can take the Mormon God and you can smoke it in a big fat bong. 
I can't stand that one. And, and you can take the Trinity and you can smoke it in a big fat pipe of another kind because it's man-made. There are elements of truth in both versions, but they don't get to lock him in and say, this is God, you worship him, right? So in the manual that exposes counterfeits and counterfeits the Bible, there are two terms that describe knowing. See, when you're looking at the real deal, you want to know it. When you're looking at the counterfeit, you want to know if it's a counterfeit too. Speaking of salvation, John 17, 3 says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That word know there, that they might know thee, God, the only true and living God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, is the Greek word gnosko. And it refers to the salvation experience. Salvation is not merely a mental understanding, nor is it limited to an emotional experience. Salvation is a knowing experience. It's a knowing experience. Now, we've talked about before about knowing on the show, and I've said that it can be attributed to knowing truth, only truth. You can know the truth with a capital T, right? That's the only thing you can know. You can't know something less than the truth. Why? Because it's false. If it's less than the truth, it's false. You can't know it. Why? Because it's not true. It's full of things that are false. So you can't know something false because it can shift on you, break down, fall apart, and you never knew it in the first place. It's like saying you met a woman and you totally knew her on the first date. And then you go and you marry her and you get home and she takes off her wig and her, and her uh, false teeth and her fake boobs and you have something completely different than what you thought you knew. You didn't know her on the first date. You have to know the truth before you know something. So a person can only really say they know something when something that they know is real and genuine and not a counterfeit. That's why people will tell stories and they'll say something like, and it was then I discovered the true meaning of Christmas. Because when you discover the true meaning, you finally know what it's all about. If you're following the ersatz false fabricated counterfeit meaning of Christmas, you don't really know Christmas. You know it in a sense, but you don't know what the true meaning is. There's another word that is used in the Greek and, 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 uh, to describe knowing, and it describes the freedom and the liberty, the absolute indescribable deep relationship believers can have with God. That's not gnosis. It's called epi, well, epigenosis. Epigenosis is that, okay? That's that knowing that we have in our heart toward God that no one else can discern as, as whether it's true or not. It's when you say, I, I know God's real, and they say, you can't know that. Epigenosis is this knowing that it describes a liberty of, of thought that you possess personally. It's a knowledge above and beyond knowing that comes from salvation. Epigenosis describes a deeply rooted understanding of God. It's deeply rooted in your soul. And it is not a description of salvation, as epigenosis comes only through understanding God through the Spirit and through His Word. So, writing to people who have already been saved, Peter and Paul say, using 
the uh, hyperbolic word epigenosis in Ephesians 1.16. Cease not to give thanks, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's epigenosis, that he'll give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance are in the saints. That's the epigenosis that Paul is talking about there. Peter talks about it too. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the epigenosis of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? It's through the epigenosis. When you have that knowing in you, deeply rooted understanding of God in Christ that comes to those who are his. Remember the apostles were speaking to people who have been saved and this describes this inner peace, this inner joy that people have with Christ in his kingdom on high and here while they're alive and they bear it with them. Lesser instructed believers in the faith, in the spirit, they might have the gnosis of salvation, but they could be lacking the epigenosis that comes later. Remember the phrase that lesser instructed believers by the Spirit in the Word uh, have come to possess. There's people who are infants in the faith and they might not have established epigenosis yet. So this understanding, the epigenosis, evidenced by peace, joy, rest, assurance, culminates or is best manifested in one revolutionary word. One revolutionary word. You want to know what it is? When you know... With the epigenosis, God and Christ, the way that translates to your life as a Christian, so you can ask yourself, do I possess this or not, is in one word, freedom. That's the word. If you've been liberated, if you have freedom, that means the more freedom, the more epigenosis you have in you. The more you're bound up, the less you have. God did not want, does not want you to be under bondage of any sort. If you're under religious bondage or bondage, you're under bondage that is not of him. So therefore, your epigenosis of him is less. If you are more totally, absolutely free in him from all the strictures and confines of religion, you have real epigenosis in him. You're walking with him. Freedom. The words Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free were not in vain. That's how you can tell where you are in your walk. You can kind of use it as a barometer of your of your walk. If you are still young and still just in the salvation experience and haven't grown in the epigenosis of your faith, you're still clinging to what you have to do, what you have to believe, how you have to look, what you need to say, where you have to go to church, how much you have to pay it, what you have, all that stuff, that is all under the salvation experience of a knowledge, a gno- of, a, of a gnosis, right? But when you get into the epigenosis, that's when you become free and you say, I don't need that dogma. I don't need that rule. I don't need that. That, that part doesn't have anything to do with my life with Christ. You've matured and you've entered into that phase. And there is the most liberating freedom in Christ through the understanding, the knowing of him. Why? How? Because the doctrines taught by Jesus always, always, 
always point, lead, uh, confirm liberty, freedom, peace in Christ. If it's, if it's confirming something different that's not liberty and freedom, you are not buying into what Jesus taught and brought. It's not a freedom in the world. It's not a, it's, it's, it, this freedom is not found in the world. It's not found in religion. It's not found in a man or a woman. It's not found in materialism or money. You can't get it with those things. It's not found in Joseph Smith or Russell Nelson. It's not found in your pastor. It's not found in me. It's not found in television, uh, pastors. It's found in Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. He grants that epigenosis to those who are his. The manual teaches all of it. Believers study the manual by the Spirit. They experience more freedom and peace through that understanding, that epigenosis of knowing who God and Christ are, and they become more and more free. Why? Because they've studied the Word by the Spirit, and they become unfettered from the things that once held them chained to that rock like Prometheus. You become unchained and you become free in your, and that is the greatest gift God can give human beings is liberty and freedom of mind and heart to relax and trust in Him and their walk. So they are, they, there are obvious, um, this freedom and relationship is as obvious to a Christian, a true Christian, as a real diamond is to a cubit zirconia to a, a, a gem, gemologist or, or a diamond dealer. Diamond dealers can tell you the, the difference right away. Uh, a Christian knows the difference between religion and that relationship of understanding that comes with God. This is why the uh, from the heart Christians would never convert to uh, an ism or an ist. A real converted Christian from the heart with epigenosis relationship to God, they would never ever go backward and join Mormonism or Buddhism or, or any ism or is because it's a counterfeit to the great diamond that they're holding in their heart. What are the obvious tip-offs for me when anything, Santa, men, participation, covenants, materialism, mal- manipulations, when any of it tries to step in and steal the liberty I possess directly with Christ. Anything that comes and tries to take, insert itself, its rules, its anything, authority, institution, anything in between me and Christ, I can tell it's a con. Because, I mean, that's what Santa did at Christmas. Santa got inserted in between Christ, reconciling God and man, and he inserted himself in, or he didn't, but somebody did. So... Think about those who buy into the true meaning of Christmas and not the counterfeit. And, and in them is a joy and a peace and a rest and a real light. And there is the Spirit of God in abundance with a warming fire. Then think of those who embrace fully the counterfeit to the birth that we just talked about. They're sucked into the machine, the hustle and bustle, the crowds, the expectation, the cost, the debts, the light that never warms. Have you ever noticed that you can touch today's Christmas lights and they don't, they don't warm at all? They don't burn you like the old colored ones did that our dad used to put on the house? Yeah, it's because it's hollow. It's dead light. It doesn't even do anything. 
If you really think about it, the very song sung at this time of year evidence the differences. To some, it's him. And to others, it's Santa. And I'm just using Santa as the emblem of all things holiday and Jesus. You pick which one it is. And, and uh, listen to the tenor, listen to the aim of the songs and, and to the allegiance that they try to pull you to uh, think about and then the joys that are produced or non-joys from. So when I observe a loss of peace and a total trust in Christ, when I discover a loss of liberty that I once had in him alone, I know a counterfeit's darkened my door. I know I've allowed some kind of counterfeit uh, into my life. And listen to what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I don't care what it is, you have that liberty in him. And then in Galatians 5.13, he says, For brethren, we have been called unto liberty. Liberty. Only don't use liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but to love and serve one another. In a prophetic utterance of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound. God of knowledge, epigenosis, produces both release and total reliance in a life of a believer. The release from bondage to sin, from institutional rules, sex, cults, philosophies, bad diets, drugs, you name it. Total reliance upon him and him alone is a means of liberty from those things. The more studied you are in the word of God and all the revelatory declarations he gives from his mouth to our hearts by the spirit, not the letter, by the spirit, the more freedom you possess and and the better ability you will have discerning the counterfeits when they approach and, and offer themselves up to you. Counterfeiting is really banal. It is pathetic. It's ugly. It's a leech. Think about your own work and business, what you do for a living. How would you feel if you labored really hard to produce a genuine product, original, true item, okay? a cure for a disease, a new dress, a piece of art, something, and a counterfeiter knocks it off, mass produces it, and sells it to the yearning public for a lesser price in an inferior state and calls it their own, right? Just imagine that. So imagine that you deal in historical documents and some fraud sells you a fake. So now imagine how God must feel. I'm not trying to bring this upon to bring guilt. I'm just trying to look at it factually. When people and systems have pirated the time that we try to think about who his son is, they've pirated it in so many different ways and they've thrown the counterfeits out and the world's gobbled them up and it's not the real McCoy. Worse yet, their system does the opposite. It traps people. It ensnares them. It imprisons his creations who he has set free. So it not only counterfeits it, the counterfeit sucks you in and it traps people when Christ has set us free. When it comes to the unadulterated message of Christianity, I think the general rule of thumb for uh, its counterfeit is liberal counterfeits tend to diminish from the original faith 
and the cults and legalists tend to add to it. Either way, you can use that as a rule of thumb for what has happened to Christ. Liberals tend to say, oh, Jesus, he was a good man. You know, that's what he was. But all religions are good. And, you know, there it is. It's the dumbing down of Jesus. Uh, The Bible, yeah, it has some good advice, but so does the Quran and so does this. And in fact, my mystic uh, fume healer star told me yesterday that she saw in her tapioca skin softener uh, some things. That, that, That is your liberal agenda of Jesus, right? And the, but the cults, and I usually don't use that term, but for our purposes tonight, and the legalists, who, they, they generally add to the counterfeit. They, I mean, to their original deal. They take Jesus and they pile it upon. So the one, the liberal side, down, denigrates him and takes him down and, and mushes him in with everything. And then the cults and the legalists and everyone else, they take him and they add to it, right? Uh, so, uh, with them, the biblical message of Jesus is never enough. It's never enough. They have to add more, more books, more rules, more covenants, more rights to the, uh, more humans to the mix. And, 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 and so what do the Mormon doctors say of him? He is never enough, right? Yes, Jesus did this, but he's never enough. Pastors, uh, include attending their church as needing to be done because Jesus is never enough, or embracing their ideas, or watching this, or participating in that. They do it because Jesus is never enough for them. Uh, Everyone is tossing into the mix what they say is also needed. But the guy was born in a manger, animal stall. That's what he was born in. And He's put to death on a cross, mangy cross, outside the city gates, stripped naked, beaten, and hung alone. His disciples, Scripture says, all all bailed on him. We're not talking about anything added to that. And uh, before he ascended, uh, uh, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. It's a basic, basic message of selfless agape love. And that's that's what we celebrate. This new king has come to earth. And he's reconciled God and man. Hark the herald angels sing, right? May all of you, but especially my brothers and sisters, uh, whom God is not ashamed to call them, uh, call himself their God. May you now and every day of this year, not just tomorrow and the next day when Christmas comes, be filled with his peace, be filled with his true light that warms, his love, his joy for for all his love for all all the time every time his love and uh which is not of this world but it's of that heavenly kingdom of which you are a part here and you'll be a part there write your thoughts below and we'll talk about them tomorrow night christmas eve uh before we will be a short show tomorrow night but write your thoughts if you have to add to our uh, topic tonight of the real thing and we'll see you here on Heart of the Matter.